0: Hey there, it's Heike, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. I want to paint the picture for you of what I'm going to talk about today. So picture this, you're overall healthy. Nothing's really wrong other than maybe the occasional runny nose or a cough, but you feel strong and your workouts are going well. You know, you're eating healthy. So what could go wrong? And then suddenly out of the blue, You are losing weight. You're feeling tired. Your training effort is really a big push and you can't figure out what's going on. You eat the same things, but something is wrong. And your stomach hurts all the time is bloated and extended. And you're wondering what the heck is going on with my body. So in this episode today, I wanna share my life with a chronic illness and what I did to feel better and help myself with all the strategies that I'm sharing with you today. So I'll see you in a minute. I'm Heike Yates, a fitness and nutrition coach with 30 years of experience. I empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength to lead a vibrant life. Right now, you're joined by thousands of women over 50 around the world who stop dimming their light and instead ignite their spark. On this podcast, I do what I do best, taking complicated information about fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies and breaking it down into baby steps that are simple, actionable, and sustainable so you, can implement them into your life. I regularly interview some of the most inspiring women who share their honest stories on how they went from their worst to their best life so that you know you're not alone in your struggles. Join me as we redefine what aging looks and feels like by taking action and saying, yes, I can. This is the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I remember it like it was yesterday. We went to one of our favorite potluck dinners where you have classical music and you everybody brings a dish they like to share and you get to taste all these delicious meals that people are preparing and you have a plate full of deliciousness that is just wonderful to enjoy that. With a glass or two of wine, perfect. But not this time. When I started eating stuffed food off my plate, my stomach started growing, expanding. It suddenly started bloating like there was no tomorrow. My dress got tighter and I said, okay, this is not cool. So I'm sitting down, I'm holding on to my plate and I'm a little hesitant to eat because there's so many varieties on my plate. And I'm thinking, what? happened what what caused this sudden bloating and my stomach was so painful that I didn't know what to do people around me were having a great time enjoying themselves and I just sat there and I wanted to roll up and curl up in a ball of pain I asked my husband to leave earlier and go home and he was all surprised of why why I wanted to go home earlier it was such fun and The music was about to start, and I said, I can't do it. My stomach hurts so bad. So we went back home, and I came home, and I just lay down. And my stomach slowly receded, so there was no gas or anything that I could pass to relieve the pain. It happened once. We couldn't pinpoint what it was. A while later, very unpredictable, it happened again. And I thought, oh, I ate cheese, maybe I shouldn't eat cheese. So that was our next approach. Next time, cheese or no cheese, I had the same bloating, painful, but this time I also had diarrhea. Then I said, all right, it's not the cheese, it has to be something, and maybe I'm eating too many things all at once. And so this was my temporary solution that I couldn't eat at a potluck dinner with all these different foods. I had to settle for one and eat that one particular food that had no spices, that was uh, not acidic as I was digging around of what I might have. So I, I said, okay, maybe I can nip this in the butt by going on what's called the low FODMAP diet, where you eliminate certain foods and then reintroduce them based on their acidity and other factors. made no difference in my diarrhea and my bloating. Then I said, all right, let's try, try the brat diet. So it's the bread, rice, applesauce, and toast. So I did that for days. Didn't get any better. The bloating was not so bad, but as soon as I ate, I was on the loo and I had diarrhea. And then I had, a lot of bloating at night. So very randomly. And I couldn't figure out what it was that I was missing because it was so unpredictable. And I'm like, okay, I can do this. Um, This is also the time where I started intermittent fasting. And that helped some, because if you don't eat for an extended period of time, your gut has time to heal during the resting period of when you're not eating. But still, every time I ate, I went to the bathroom almost immediately. And then I started waking up at night when picture this, you're eating your regular meal, it goes through your upper stomach, and then it sits in your lower abdominals and it just sits there and it, and you know, the food is in your lower intestines and it's not being digested my stomach started looking really funny and round. And I was like, okay, I have to go to the bathroom, but then I wouldn't until I had diarrhea. So it's very, very strange. Then on top of that, I've not only, uh, I ate, but I couldn't absorb any of the nutrients. So I felt weak, tired. My skin was dry. Training exercise was a huge effort and I was like, what the heck is going on with me? And then I developed food allergies. I mean, I was like, are you serious? So at the current state, two years later now, I'm still allergic to one thing is carrots. I can't eat carrots or it sets off what I found later out to be microscopic colitis. That's what I eventually was diagnosed with. The symptoms got so bad, and since they were so random, there was no rhyme or reason to figure out, like, if I ate that or if I ate this, and should I eat earlier, should I eat later? There was totally no rhyme or reason, other than the allergies that I figured out, that at one point, the pain was so intense that I asked my husband to take me to the ER. And he said, if you ask me to take me to the doctor, you are really not well so we waited for hours I sat there at the ER all curled up in a ball they're like okay what do you have I explained what I'm having they did a blood test and this and then the other and then they say well in order to know what's really going on with you uh, we have to do a colonoscopy but it's like two in the morning we're not going to do that till four or five in the morning and I said just give me something for the cramps and I go home and I'll just call my doctor and so they sent me on my merry way and to the doctor I went. So they ended up doing all kinds of, number one, they did blood tests, then we did a a feces test to see if I got any bacteria or any worms or anything like this and that. So all this was eliminated first and I was seemingly healthy and still I I mean, at this point, I had lost a lot of weight. And my clients were telling me, Heike, you look so good. Are you getting ready for another race? You are so lean and you look so fit. They didn't know what was really going on. And I told one person that I was diagnosed with uh, microscopic colitis and they just were in awe and and they couldn't believe that this actually happened to me. So we eliminate everything. I got the colonoscopy, um, which is a found a inflammation in the large intestines. And this is, this inflammation caused all this bloating, watery diarrhea and not being able to, even though I ate, absorb any nutrients. Now, there are three types of colitis. Who knew, right? I thought there was only one, but there are three types of colitis. One, the first one is collagenous colitis, in which a thick layer of protein, the collagen, develops in the colon, so there's like a blockage. Then we have the lymphophatic colitis, in which white blood cells increase in the colon tissue. And then there's incomplete microscopic colitis, in which there are a mix of features of collagenous and lymphocyptic colitis. And I hope I pronounced this right. So all these three types of colitis have the same treatment approach. And that was take massive amounts of pepto prescription strength. And I was like, uh, really? And they're like, well, it's an inflammation. We can't do anything about the inflammation, but we can't do something about the diarrhea. So I said, this doesn't make no sense to me that I was diagnosed with this autoimmune disorder that is just crazy and unexpected. And you can't help me with anything else. And they said, here's your prescription, and we wish you good luck. Ha! So I stood there and I said, great, microscopic colitis. So I knew at least what I was looking for when I Googled to help myself with all the information that's out there on the Internet because I wasn't going down without a fight. Now, some experts suspect that Microscopic colitis is an autoimmune disorder similar to those that cause chronic ulcerative colitis or and, and Crohn's disease, which are much more severe than what microscopic colitis is or other inflammatory bowel disease. And now the question is, what causes this crazy microscopic colitis? Now, there's medications that can irritate the lining of the colon, which I didn't have, bacteria that produce toxins that irritate the lining of the colon, which we checked for, viruses that trigger inflammation, I didn't seem to have any viruses, no symptoms of any sorts, or autoimmune diseases associated with microscopic colitis, such as rheumatoid arthritis, celiac disease, or psoriasis. Autoimmune diseases occur when the body's immune system attacks the healthy tissue. And then you have bile acid, not being adequately absorbed and irritating the lining of the colon. May as it be, some experts say, oh, that's not a problem. This will go away in a couple of months and it probably will come back out of the blue and it starts all over again. So if you ask me, this still sucks because there's really no help other than pectobismo. So the symptoms of the microscopic colitis are chronic watery diarrhea. And I can contest to that. I spent more time in the bathroom than I wanted to. Abdominal cramps or bloating, and they seem to only be in the lower intestines. I never had any acid reflux flux with it or any other problems with it. Then, of course, weight loss, because you're not absorbing anything of the nutrients and the foods that you eat. As soon as you eat it, you poop it back out. Uh, Nausea, because you're dehydrated, and dehydration as well. So nausea, I didn't experience that, but definitely dehydration. I'm always thirsty. Now, interesting to know, aside from all the, the causes of the microscopic colitis, anyone can get microscopic colitis, as I found out. But it's most common in women and people or men over 45. It also may run in your family. But as my doctor was writing out the prescription for extra strength prescription Imodium or pepto she also mentioned there are steroids to suppress the immune system. That if that doesn't help, then these the steroids will do the job. Now, it's all about suppressing stuff and not helping with the cause. She also said, avoid foods and drinks or other things that could make symptoms worse. Seriously, this is totally a little bit, a little bit of trial and error. So I started a food log of what I ate, but things like caffeine, dairy or fatty foods are definitely a trigger for most people that are diagnosed with microscopic colitis. Uh, take a fiber supplement and stop taking the medications that trigger the symptoms, which is easier said than done if you ask me. And my answer was again, this is all you got. I couldn't believe that in this day and age, there are no better strategies. And if you feel, or if you hear my story, when you hear my story, and you say, wow, that sounds like me, and you have not been diagnosed with what it is that you have, please don't go on the rampage and find out what it is all on your own and then treat yourself, find out what it is, and then go back to the drawing board and know exactly because you may have Crohn's disease or IBS and irritable bowel syndrome, and you may go about it a different way than I did. But I felt that with my 30 years in fitness and nutrition field, I had something to offer other than Pepto-Bismol. So let's continue on to talk about dietary changes I made and I still make to the day. Sometimes I cheat because I really want that food that I'm now allergic to and I take a Benadryl afterwards. Remember the carrot story? So if I eat carrots, I break out in hives on my hands and feet. Very random. My doctor was just shaking her head. It's true, but I also I know if I eat fatty foods, my stomach is rebelling. Fatty foods are not healthy. So not I'm not talking avocados. I'm talking like fried steak or something like this, a fried chicken. This is definitely not a good thing. So let's let's get from the top. The number one thing I would highly recommend is to avoid caffeine. Yes, caffeine is a diuretic and it's not helpful when you have constant diarrhea because coffee is acidic and I'm a coffee lover and because of the acidity, it affects your stomach lining. So I love coffee and I opted now to drink fennel tea in the morning. That's my drink of choice. I have a cup of decaf on the weekends only. And all through the day, I drink herbal or green teas. Also, green tea is very good for your gut to keep my gut happy and my body hydrated. And I'm thirsty a lot more than I used to be. Now, that dairy is, can irritate your stomach lining, causing bloating and stimulating the stomach to produce more acid. This is trial and error. So I'm currently testing, I love cheese, I swear to God, cheese and butter, I guess I'm a, a, the German in me comes out, but I have eliminated pretty much all butter and now I'm working on the cheese and I'm incorporating some vegan cheese so I don't feel like I'm left out. So I'll keep you posted on what happens with the vegetarian or vegan cheese. Other fruit groups that I would highly recommend, uh, recommend to avoid are fried foods. Carbonated drinks can be awful. Spicy foods had a super adverse effect on me. Limit your alcohol. You know, think of what you're drinking because it does affect your gut. Now, other things like acidic foods, for instance, like tomatoes or fruit juices, very limited, if at all. So I'm really tightening down on acidic foods. I occasionally have tomatoes, but very rarely. One of the things that I took off my diet almost instantly was raw fruits and vegetables. They have really, they're really hard to digest for your gut and they increase motility. So, bathroom, big time. Now, oftentimes with microscopic colitis, it is suggested to take pre and probiotics. Now, the verdict is out. I tried them both and neither did anything, meaning, It didn't make it worse, but it didn't make it better. So I opted out of taking something that I'm not sure if it really does something for me after months of trying it. So I leave this out and I focus just on a really healthy diet based on the recommendations that I am sharing with you that has worked for me. Now, what I found out too, and this is so sad, is I am an adventurous eater. So potluck parties are terrible for my colitis. Or when you go out uh, and sharing meals with other people has backfired big time because I'm eating I'm adding or eating too many things that are opposite and they all each time have tr- triggered colitis, sometimes worse than others, but I would say don't stick with your own food. It's really boring. But uh, start tracking what it is that you react to. Because another thing is that, as a doctor said, well, leave out the foods that you react to. Pfft, seriously? Only a food log will help you with this. Now, interesting to note, and that was simply a coincidence, is that I started intermittent fasting at the same time, or around, roughly the same time when I was diagnosed with microscopic colitis. And I started intermittent fasting because even all my effort that I had as a triathlete, I'm a competitor, I gained more body fat and gained weight despite all my training, despite eating healthy, and then also despite eating so healthy now because of the colitis that I found out pretty much at the same time. Now, the one thing that you may not know about intermittent fasting, that after you fast for 12 hours, a process called autophagy is triggered, which means the body is cleaning out damaged cells and regenerates with new cells in your gut. This will not only decrease your inflammation, but the combination of the healthier eating habits and cutting out the things that made my gut not happy will make your gut happy, whether you have microscopic colitis or not. But to me, starting intermittent fasting was a game changer. Now, one thing I also started experimenting with, and that is bone broth. Bone broth is really uh, potent. It's because bone broth is made with simmering the bones and the connective tissue of animals. Sounds pretty gross if you ask me. But the result is that bone broth is rich in calcium, magnesium, potassium, phosphorus, and other trace minerals that help build and strengthen your bones and soothe my gut. My acupuncturist recommended that. And I'll talk, I mentioned her a little bit later because she was part of my healing process as well. So another fantastic benefit of bone broth is that it's a source of collagen. So during the cooking process, which I find really interesting, is collagen from the bones and connective tissue is broken down into gelatin. So it looks a little slimy or wobbly, and that provides joint support health. Collagen is very popular right now, and the gelatin in the bone broth supports healthy digestion, great for anybody with stomach issues or microscopic colitis, and helps with the colitis, as I found out. And I'm just really excited that I found bone broth. And I found out, too, that my aging knees and my arthritis in my knees got better. So it promotes a health joint, a joint health. And joined together, these things make bone broth a winner, if you ask me. So I don't take any supplements. And uh, all I do is... I buy my bone broth at the local Whole Foods food store in the freezer, and I just drink a cup or half a cup every day with my lunch. Now, you may say, "Hi, Heike, I'm a vegan. I don't do this connective tissue and bone business. So if you're a vegan, opt for low starch foods, cruciferous vegetables, almonds, beans, olive oil, and avocados, my avocado again, are examples of foods that can help reduce inflammation and promote collagen production in the body. So vegan, you got a choice too. So bone broth was a game changer for me. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. If you're diagnosed with microscopic colitis, you know, look at the steps that I'm sharing with you today and then start your own, habit-tracking, changing your eating, because you can live with this condition. And it is livable, let's put it that way. One thing I have to say is that you will be judged because people don't see that you have colitis. They judge you for refusing their fantastic dish and that you don't want to try it. And when you question them what's in the food, They are offended. They say, well, I'm only putting the best ingredients in. Why don't you want to eat it? And so you will get some of that other than you're sitting in a corner. You don't want to talk to anybody during a flare up. And all you want to do is roll up in a ball and go home. And people are offended that you don't want to talk to them, that they're not your chatty, happy self, outgoing and mingling with the crowds. I've been lucky most of the time ordering in restaurants. I just tell them what I'm allergic to and most restaurants have made a huge difference in their, what, how they prepare the meal for me. And we're super considerate. So I I really appreciated that. And then on top of that, I now drink gallons, liters of herbal tea throughout the day to stay warm and hydrated. For some reason that has never left my body that I'm, uh, I, I am, yes, I am past menopause. I shouldn't have any hot hot and cold flashes, but I do, and I'm mostly cold. So I also got a warming bottle for at night when I have one of those moments when my body really, really gets cold for unknown reasons. I keep a food lock, and I would recommend this highly, so you can pinpoint the foods, your reactions to the foods, and when flare-ups happen. Some of the foods I pointed out that may be also on your list. So check it out and and really be diligent about it. and Don't just go about it wishy-washy because I found the more diligent I was about it, even though it was tedious, it made a big difference knowing that cheese is just not good for hikers' tummy. Also, notice your stress level or how you feel throughout the day. Stress in general doesn't help with our health, but notice things like that, how your sleep is how your stress levels are, and add them as well. Because then you can look back and you can find a pattern. There's always a pattern. And when you're systematic and breaking it all down, it's much easier to know when, how, and what. Now let's talk about exercise. You know I love to exercise and I'm always on the go. But as a coach, I had to step back from my own training and observe what's happening in my body. Now, the gut experts suggest staying on the moderate side of activity instead of intense exercises which could cause the damage of the intestinal cells leading to short I'm sorry, leading to short or long-term gut problems. The damaged tissue can then cause toxic substances to leak out of your intestines namely leaky gut and into the bloodstream. I have adjusted my triathlon training to a lower intensity. I added more strength training and Pilates and definitely stress reduction techniques, such as breathing or mindful breathing into my workouts. And I have pretty much managed my microscopic colitis with that approach. Now I've never experienced any microscopic colitis problems while long distance running. But I want to mention that, because I came across it over and over, that long distance running, especially marathons, can cause diarrhea. Why? Because exercise causes the food to pass through your digestive tract faster than average. And this can cause reduction in intestinal absorption of nutrients, less water being reabsorbed by the colon, and a looser stool cell causing diarrhea. So pay attention to if you are thinking that you fall in this category of microscopic colitis or any gut issues that bringing down that intensity is probably a good thing. You're not losing any fitness. You're not getting less fit, but it's so much better than not doing anything at all, if you ask me. Finally, acupuncture has made a considerable difference in the treatment of my microscopic colitis. Of course, everybody is different. I keep saying that. Since acupuncture helped me control my microscopic colitis, it may not help you, but it's another approach other than the stinking paptobysmum. If you ask me, that's a much better way to go. So, I started 2 years ago to get Weekly, or actually, at that point, I was getting acupuncture twice a week for about a month, and it made a huge difference in the bloating of my stomach. And I was super skeptical at first. I'm like, "How can poking a needle in your body really do that?" But it helped me control microscopic colitis. It helped me control the bloating. It helped me by increasing energy levels when I was wiped out from another bout and help me or is still helping me with my sleep i still go to acupuncture for my microscopic colitis once a week so i piped it down and i'm really clamping down on my diet so combined with dietary and lifestyle changes and once a week with acupuncture i have been able to manage my microscopic colitis i am clear that it's not going to go away because Sometimes I fool myself because there's months of nothing and it's great and I feel super and I train well only to get a kick in the booty saying, oh no, girl, you still got that colitis, although nobody can see it. So I hope that by sharing this story, which I've never done before in detail and exactly what I do, I can give you some ideas if you're in the same boat as I am and dealing with microscopic colitis. And also I want you to know that you're not alone in this condition, that there's many people out there that are dealing with a chronic illness like microscopic colitis and just don't talk about it because it is embarrassing. And who wants to know how many times you pooped? Nobody. They wanna know how well you do, how positive you are not the opposite, but know that you're not alone, that I don't have all the answers, but I'm sharing this to give you some insight of what you might try and what you might do. So with this, my friend, I invite you to reach out to me on social media at Heike Yates on all my social media channels. You can find me on Facebook at Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark. If you have any questions if you want to know more about it if you want to share your story reach out because remember we got this we're not alone and we're in this together so with that my friend i'll see you next time on the pursue your spark podcast and if you are interested to learn more about intermittent fasting come on over to my website hikeyeats.com. i have the four-week lean out program that teaches you intermittent fasting from A to Z. And I'll see you next week on the Pursue Your Spark Podcast. Ciao!